battering ram. Brad Barrett into the equation. George quickly away to Good, and now Duncan Taylor did brilliantly to find Good, and Good's going on his own, and Good will score. It's been a picture perfect first half in Dublin for the Londoners. Swift transfer, this is looking better, Kitoon for Malbaca, Colby again on the outside, inside, Stockdale, he's done him twice, and he'll race round for the second. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Up and Under podcast, brought to you by Rugby Lad. Thanks for tuning in once again this week, and as always, please be sure to subscribe to us on whichever podcast platform you're using. If you can as well, please go on and give us a rating. As you've noticed, this show is sponsor-free and ad-free, so we're just trying to get the word out there as best we can at the moment. We've got another packed show for you again this week. Um, once again, I'll be chatting to former Ireland Leinster and Lions of Bray, Jamie Heaslip, about the weekend's action. Um, Leinster's defeat, Ulster's defeat, looking ahead to the Champions Cup semi-finals this weekend. We're also going to be looking at the financial situation in rugby at the moment and what can be done. I'm also going to be chatting to a World Cup winner in a BJ Bota, the former Ulster and Munster prop. He's going to be chatting to me about his new coaching role at UL Bohemians, as well as looking back on the Munster and Ulster games over the last few weeks. Enjoy the show, guys. I don't know if Paul O'Connor might be telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's a funny story. So I was in camping Cardiff, the rooming list comes up and uh, I was sharing with Paul O'Connell. And then uh, I walk in and I see Paulie's bags on the floor. I've gone, not really spoken to Paul apart from after a game, very briefly. I'm thinking, oh my God, what do I say to this man now? You know, legend, let's face it, of the game. Um, And that's a word I like to bat around, but he is, as you well know, a hero. Anyway, so I'm sat there on my bed now waiting for him to come out thinking, oh, do I stand up, shake his hand? (laughs) Do I hug him? But he's come out the shower, it's a bit weird now. Yeah. So then basically, while this is all going on, I can start hearing him singing the song. Yeah. Right, and then in his broad accent, his Irish accent, he starts singing Shakira. Do you know that one? The hips he don't does. lie. Yeah. Oh, baby, when you talk like that, in the most <laughs> Irish accent, right? And then he goes, Shakira, Shakira. And at that point, I absolutely <laughs> burst out laughing. And when he came out, then I thought, oh, he's. he's That's he's normal. Good. Right, so, Jamie, the unbeatables have finally been beaten. We didn't say it was impossible. Um, I won't lie, I'm obviously disappointed, um, but look, it's a weird one. I, on the day, I've looked back on the game um, and there's a couple of things that stand out. The ball is in play for only about 31 minutes, so it's a little bit less than what Lencer would usually be used used to or, or what Lencer would look to do. Um, and when I look back on the other games of Saracens beating them, um, Saracens played the way they play, but like, you know, there's, there's a bit of a, a deception out there that Saracens play an expansive game or something like that. Um, you know, they, they, they play, they play a negative game and I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean is it's kind of like a pressure game and they'll play territory. They'll, um, they're, they're not too concerned about possession, but they're concerned about where they're playing on the field. And, they'll play a game where they slow you down and slow your attack down. Um, and they're very effective at it, where they, they'll slow down that rook completely and be quite negative with it. And then they'll have, you know, 13, 14 in the line and, and they'll shut you down and they're happy to get into the arm wrestle because they, they have such amazing ball carriers in their pack and such strength there that, um, that, will, that will kind of really come to the fore in that kind of game. Um, so yeah, so when you look at it, what they did with, with Leinster, like especially that first half, I mean, it was 22-3 at half time. Um, you know, really quickly, Leinster give away a lot of scrum penalties. Uh, the mall doesn't go well, uh, playing too much around, you know, particularly in their own half and, and around the halfway line. Um, and, you know, they're 22-3 about half time. Like, it's very hard to pull a side in like Saracens like that. But that, in fairness... They did switch up the game a little bit. They, I'm not going to say a plan B, but they probably played more in the second half where they actually attacked a little bit more from a bit deeper than, than what they usually do. And um, they got a little bit of return on it and they got themselves back in the game. But um, 
it was just too much of a gap with, with a team like Saracens. You know, you're basically going up a side that wants to be moving the ball and playing a fast, fast game to a side who just slows you right down. And yeah, sucks like, you in. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's what England do. Yeah, it is, it is. But they play them at their own game, many respects, as, as you've been saying for the last few weeks, what Leinster are very good at is they keep that scoreboard ticking over. But it's not even necessarily t- keeping ticking it over. They, they keep the game yeah. moving. So, like, the point of contact is is constantly moving. They're constantly running onto the ball. It's quick rook ball. They're, they're, like, your, your, your basics are operating well. So, your platform pieces. So, you have a, a good dominance in the scrum. You have a good maul that then can, you can do, like... Um, you can do like the, the fake malls. Where I won't give the Leinster calls away, but you know, or like we do the peel around the back or the bounce out at the hooker. You know what I mean? But like, if your mall's not operating, it's not a threat to them. But it's, it's almost like, if you think about it, we were saying there, it's almost like Ireland a couple of years ago where you're, 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 you're smothering teams to a certain extent. The success under Schmidt was about scrum dominance, really, really like enforcing up front, lots of power. Do you know what I mean? And that's what's yeah. slowing the game down, bringing teams into your level. That worked for Ireland and that's what Saracens did. To Leinster of all teams. Yeah, no, true. But like, it's like anything, you know, uh, rising tide raises all ships. So like, um, under Joe's um, tenureship, like we would have, we would have reframed what basic excellence is all about. Um, but then everyone caught up. And then what happens is we're not like, Leinster aren't the biggest side, Ireland aren't the biggest side, right? And actually a worrying thing is that our big ball, our big, big players like let's say guys of, of certain size mass um they're kind of the main ones are coming to the end of their tenure um and that's the other thing you got to notice here that Leinster team is actually quite kind of young when you look at it um or i mean experience wise when you look at when you look at saracens who had i think five guys who played in the world cup final um so that's when you take the macro when you when you look back and step back and you try and take yourself out of it you see why a game plan, um, if Leinster were able to execute their game plan and they did in the second half, they caused Saracens problems. But Saracens executed their game plan for longer periods in the game. Uh, you can see with all the stats, they're happy, they're happy just to like squeeze, get, take the points, take the points and force you to play, make a mistake and punish you. But Leinster want to just keep playing, 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 yeah. playing. Um, so I'm I, in a really, really, I don't know how I'm going to go down this avenue, but really where it's almost like, you know, it's a warning sign for um, us as a, as a nation, you know, in terms of how we want to play going forward um, because we're not a big side and we're going to come up against England who are massive. We're going to come up against South Africa who are massive. France, massive. You know, New Zealand, they've got some big players in there. Uh, Australia, same as, you know what I mean? So we just, we just have to think about how we are going to play against these sides and we, we, we can't or we got to avoid that arm wrestling. We need to be careful as well, though, that I've seen a lot of people giving out now and saying that, you know, the Pro 14 isn't fit for purpose. And now all of a sudden Leinster are crap and they got destroyed and we need to look at everything. Like, we're a terror for that in this country. As soon as a ba- an Irish team or a Munster team or a Leinster team have a bad performance, we are like a pack of wolves. And we need to remember that this is a team that went unbeaten throughout an entire season, used 50-odd players. And that's that's in, that's two competitions as well. They're focusing on the Pro 14, but like no one beat them in yeah. the league in in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's, that, that's the only defeat yeah. in Europe. So like we need to be careful now because I'm seeing st- the wolves are out like and they're they're looking for blood the last the last few days. So we need to realize that, that this is still an absolutely phenomenal Inter team that will learn from this defeat, as you said. A lot of young guys. Yeah, and if you, if you give a bit of context, so I I was kind of looking back. I was even looking back in the Munster game, right? And I looked at the two games and actually. I know we gave out about the kicking, but when you look at what they're actually trying to do, this is, again, I'm, I'm not giving out. They're start, they want to get yeah. you into an arm wrestle game. Monster do. Okay. Well, sorry. This is yeah. my outside look on it. Um, hmm. And very set-piece dominated game. They want to establish that. And then they want to get you into an arm wrestle type game. Um, now, I, I don't think they, they have really good jacklers, really good poachers, but they go hard after every single rook. You might have two or three guys in. And that's actually where they came undone a little bit against Leinster, where their set piece didn't go according to plan and they kept chasing all these rooks. So Leinster just ended up kind of with a numerical advantage on the attack that just they were able to expose. Um, but in the first game when they played them, it was actually Munster kind of got the balance right to a certain degree. They just yeah. over-egged it a little bit and the set-piece didn't go well. So when you look at this game here, so, so what I mean is that there's actually 
I know we're kind of going back on what we said. There's not loads wrong with Munster, but there is a lot. There is stuff that they got to look at and correct, right? But um, yeah, it's like anything. Then when you look at Leinster, there's not a whole lot wrong with them. Like the way they play is a movement type game. It just, you know, they 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 slipped up against Saracens. Saracens executed their game plan better. That's as simple as that. But I mean, yeah. if, if that's it, and if it was this time next year, though, if it's this time next year, you'd have the reverse game. You'd have the the um, the second leg of the quarterfinal. It'd be really interesting then, you know, because I think Leinster yeah. would be able to flip it, and I, I actually think win, Leinster would win with the aggregate. They probably would actually, yeah. We know Saracens in the Champions Cup. Yeah, so we won't know. We won't find we won't find out now for what it's going to be. Should I won't be in it next year? They won't be the year after. So it's going to be a while before they get their, their rematch, like, and if they do eventually get well, it. Well, they, they just want to be gone. They want to be giving, doing this, kind of walking away at the end of the year now. Yeah, I, I, st- I, do, I still don't think they're going to win, no. to be honest with you. I don't think that, they're going to win. Now, we'll come back to King Colby later on, right? But let's go nicely into that yeah. one. Like, so, I still think Saracens, can do, Saracens will do it. Now, I know a lot of people are like, what about Exeter? And then now people are going on about Toulouse. I don't think Toulouse will do it. Um, I think Racine are, are going to be able to match the power up front. Uh, Racing have them at home in Paris. And I know if there's not a thing at home now, but they're in that lovely little lad defense. And that place will be loud because they have the tune. It'll be like a nightclub. I mean, you know, dancing just, around the place. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Look, and they've got Russell's on fire at the moment. Zebo's back in. I mean, look at that backline there at the moment. And they have got, as you said, they've got the grunt. They've got someone like, they've got Dunnick Ryan coming off the bench. The there, the day, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, to bring someone like that off the bench, the kind of that proper grunt up front. He's a guy who laughs really well. He's having, he's having, he's having his mashed potatoes like beforehand. You know he is. Like, <laughs> 100%. 100%. But like, I just like, I don't know who's going to win it. I, I really couldn't pick a team out of okay, the four. Okay, well, well, what about, what about this then? What about, would you, would Will it be a French team or an English team then? At least, can you go that far? I think if I if you if you did it that way, after seeing Toulouse, see, it's a tough one again, right? I can't give you an answer because if you look at Toulouse, Toulouse against Ulster, they were like say a magnifique, absolutely incredible. Colby is unstoppable. Dupont, best nine in the world at the moment. But when you come up against Exeter at home in Sandy Park with the way they play, that might not be a good match for them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They're like, like Exeter remind me of Munster, the old Munster, like 06, 08, like where you just couldn't beat the bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because they, they just hung in there and they were just, they kind of, Exeter are an, an evolved version of that because they've got this big, powerful pack. But then they've got guys like Jack Noel and Henry Slade in the back that can just pull a try or pull a, a break out of absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So same way you've got that with, with Toulouse. And then on the Racing side, Racing are at home against Saracens, Racing are warm at the moment. The, the only the only thing, the only thing I have is is it's it's like they've they've always been the kind of the bridesmaid. Oh, Exeter, Exeter, um, and Racing to a certain Both degree. Of them, yeah, but like this is if, ever, if there was ever an opportunity to win it, this is the year. But and that's would be a real test of their because they've got the players and they both have. So, and, and I actually think I. I, hmm. <laughs> it's tough <laughs> I'd love to see I still think like okay Saracens extra I still think Saracens come out on top um, but Jesus that would be uh, it'd be great to watch we give an, an easier question who would you like to see with it Rassing so I'd be the same because it's just for the two Irish boys <laughs> do you know well, what yeah, I mean three. if you include Pendergrass three. Oh, Pendergrass in the coaching ticket as well yeah, I forgot about yeah. that so yeah I'd like to see that I mean, and I, I've been down there um, I remember checking out their facility not about a year ago two years ago yeah. Um, amazing talking to Nianga around it um, talked to a lot of the backroom staff uh, Finn um, was there oh what was the out half South African out half oh, shit. Um, lovely mop of hair in him Lambie oh yes 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 yes. he's retired now isn't he yeah yeah yeah. Um, and it was an amazing setup they're building something really really cool there Um I'd love to see them do it, and I think that would I think that would kick them on because I think they've established they've created something really well. They've invested in their academy system, so I know a lot of people were comparing them to Toulon, um, not too long ago because they yeah. they bought a lot of really good players. But they've Toulon just they won three really quickly, and then you know what I mean. They they haven't invested. They were mercenaries. In, in, they were different. You can see Racing yeah. have some good French players in their team. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they're invest they're investing hard in that. Now I don't see the same coming through from from Toulon. Um, but I could be wrong. But uh, I'd really like to see Rassi do it. And I think they they play again. It comes back to it, I just prefer they're watching them play rugby than a Saracens. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and um, because they're playing this attacking, free flowing, moving the ball rugby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about um? Were you were you disappointed with Ulster the, the weekend, or was like were Toulouse just that good? I mean, Stockdale didn't do himself any favors in defence, did he? I know it as you said, it's Colby. He's literally undefendable. But at the same time, okay, I'll give I'll give you that in the first one. But the, the second one, he could have done a lot better, a lot better. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even like, get close to him. Like he doesn't. Like he doesn't even make an attempt. Well, look. I mean, the frustration. I mean, with Stockdale, right? You look at him. He's he's a he's a specimen of a man, right? Um, and like and and really really good going forward, but like I think it's fair to say he's he's come under be it right or wrong criticism, let's say, of his defensive defensive uh, skill set. Um, over and that's going to actually be more di- like if he gets the nod for Ireland, that's going to be difficult because like he'll be going to another different kind of defensive set as opposed to um, yeah, what Ulster have, and and you know we'll we'll see what it's like. But anyway, um. I think in the second try, for example, there was two things that really that just like he, we know how good he is going for the ball, but like for some reason he's not hunting for the ball these days. I don't know what it like. I, it, well, it could be a confidence could be wrong, thing. But, it could be a confidence thing. He doesn't. He's, his confidence has seems to have been knocked kind of for most of 2020 for all the bit of rugby that has been played in 2020. But the, but then he was he was good last week. So like I mean, so consistency wise, he's, he's he can be he can be really good, or really you know not so good. Yeah, but. You know, if your average output was meant to be like at a seventy percent level, um, I don't know if it is. And then, you know, it's just frustrating. Um, it's just fr- frustrating to see. And th- I'm just talking on the attack side about like he butchered a three on one in, in the first half as well. Oh, not butchered. Sorry, that's harsh. But there was a three on one opportunity he could have he could have exposed and used as well, which is just frustrating to see and, and frustrating not to see him hunting for the ball and coming off his line for it. Um, and then defensively, with the, look, with, on the second one, look, Kobe's, look, okay, here, let's caveat. Kobe, Kobe, one-on-one. Best player in the world at the moment. I think he's absolutely unstoppable. He has, I did an article, I had a couple of videos up there of him, like just some of the stuff he's doing. He can pass, he can kick, he can tackle, he can sprint, he can step. At one stage, um, what's his name, uh, threw him up in the air. Oh, signed and, up for a club, <laughs> lad. Get him on the transfer list. <laughs> At one stage, he jumped up and he caught a kickoff, like, and he was lifted like 15, 50 feet into the air. I mean, yeah. he is phenomenal. I've never seen anything like him. He's a hero, mind you. Uh, he's like Williams and Abana put into one. You know what I kind of, you know what he, like, I was trying to think, he's like, um, he's like Jason Robinson. I remember, when, remember seeing Jason Robinson uh, lines, uh, thousand was thousand one Australia. Was Australia, yeah. Yeah, remember was it the first test. Yeah, it was the first test. Remember, he I can't remember who it was, but he goes around someone in a phone box on the left hand side wing, and I was just like, when I saw Colby again, I was like, that's all I think. I was like, oh wow, I like it. It's that kind of absolute. You can't teach. Rapid. You can't teach that. Like, well, look, speed kills. Do you know what right? I mean? You have it or you don't. He's got speed. But he's also got he's got speed through change of direction, which is lethal combo, right? Um, but sorry, come back to the the second try. I just think I I think Stockdale sits down a little bit too much on his heels, and then kind of just he he gives he just gives too many options. I know this is easy for for us to say now, and particularly number eight, like I would have just be gassed. <laughs> but what I would have tried to do is only give him one option on the outside. Yeah, right. Um. And and you have to try and back yourself that you'll you'll get him or get something and pull get him something on him. Get it. something on him at least. Yeah. But but the minute you the minute you square down on someone like that and you sit in your heels uh, and you don't keep coming forward, you're giving them you're giving them the options. And then also, if you look at it, he's, he's kind of if your if your head if your your nose is your center line, his center line is a little bit over the mid the midline chest of, of Colby or kind of to the middle of him. And the minute that happens, all his weight is coming across um, and he's goosed because he's given two options. His weight is coming across and, he, and he's sitting, so he has to go again. You know, he, he, and once Colby shows that outside and he moves slightly, he's done. It's game over. Like, I'm just saying he, 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 he could have con- maybe considered giving less of an angle on the yeah, inside. Yeah, but look, yeah. that's easier said than done. But uh, I, I think... 
that's that's the frustration from from watching because I want to see him do well because like oh, does, him when he when he's in form, like he's a hard man to stop. He's a try score machine, um, but now you're looking and you're kind of going, okay, if James Lowe gets capped, you know, what are you doing here with the back three guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I uh, to get, it comes a lot of headaches. Yeah, there's a good chance of him getting dropped. Right, so we just give 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 us um, give me your prediction so for the weekend. Who wins each game? Uh, oh, um, we're going Racing. Okay. And then um, I'm going to go with Saris. Oh, I think you're playing Saris. You're getting confused. Oh, sorry. Where am I going? <laughs> I was going Racing Claremont. <laughs> no, so you're going with Racing Saris. No. Then we've got, so you're going, you're, you, you are said you're going with Saris. Like you, you still think Saris are going to win it. I'm going, I'm going with Saris okay. and I'm going to go They've with... got Exeter and... I think it's going to be extra. I think it's going to be Sarri's extra final. Ooh, all English one. I yeah. am going to go. Oh, you still think? I don't think Sarri's going to be able to to big themselves back up again as as big as they did the weekend. I think it's going to be tough with such a short turnaround. I think Racing kind of had a bit of a nice kind of handy one against Clermont, so I'm going to go with Racing to beat Sarri's, and I'm going to go with as much as I'd love to see Toulouse win because I just love the rugby they play. I still think Exeter at home, Sandy Park. So you've got Racing uh, Exeter yeah. final. Look, it's no, it's the old cliche, isn't it? That, that like the, the French teams don't like traveling, um, and I think for any so you, any team though, I think that's one of those places. Like I think Sandy Park is one of those places. It's like an Aviva. It's like a Thomas Park. It, they've. It's, it's very very different. It's, though, but it's a coach. Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, I know that. But still, I'm telling you because you turn up like when you turn up at games. Example: Let's say you turn up to Sandy Park. You're turning up, and they're lunatics. Like their fans are mad, so their fans are there. Like you're arriving what an hour and a half, two hours before the game. They're there, you know what I mean. Yeah. You walk through them on the way to the change room. Um, it's you know if you're going to to the same actually in um in Allianz Park, you know, and there's the hustle and bustle of the city. Like it's different. There's none of that. It's like turning up. It's like rocking up the training, man. Yeah. You know I, what I mean. I saw something the other day. It was uh, someone was saying it on the BT Sport coverage. Is it seventy or seventy five percent of the quarterfinals are normally won by home teams? And then straight away, then yeah. the first two games, you two away teams win because that home advantage is gone. Because home advantage is it's not just knowing the pitch and knowing knowing the, the, the ground. It's the fans behind you. The fans are they get you up. Just a minute from me before we go. Come in, come in, nice and tight. Come in, nice and tight, so I can see you. Doesn't matter if you got to get on the floor. I don't care. We come nice and tight. Lads, it's a great privilege to be standing in front of you. It's a great honour to have School of Hard Knocks come back to Wales. But for me, it's been an absolute honour to get to know you lads. Eight weeks ago, we walked into that rugby club in Rumney. Some of you knew each other, some of you didn't. Some of you would play rugby at a decent level. Some of you would never touch the ball before. But one reason we're here was for yesterday, <coughs> for the jobs fair. And for me, one of the best we've ever had. The way you conducted yourselves, the way you turned up with a suit and a tie and a smile, with a confidence to go out and sell yourselves. It's the reason we do this. The little bit of rugby we get to play should put a smile on our face. And this year, we're given an opportunity to play on a professional pitch. I get goosebumps walking down that corridor. This is where legends are made. It's an absolute privilege. And you know what? You fucking deserve it. What did Nathan cleverly say? When you get knocked down, what do you do? What do you do? Get back up! Fucking right you get back up! Because we're going to get knocked down today! 80 minutes, you put that School of Hard Knocks jersey on. And I want you all to get up for a minute. All get up. Look around. Do you see the dragon? Do you see the fucking dragon? Yes! 
Next up, I chat to former Munster, Ulster, Sharks and Springboks prop, BJ Bota. BJ, how are you keeping anyway? Not too bad. Not too bad, I suppose. Um, you know, kind of uh, from a weather perspective, which is always a, which is always a big part for a South African living in uh, Ireland. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a kind of a sort of all over kind of a, uh, summer, as they say, uh, we've had a little bit of an Indian summer the last couple, um, the last week or so. But uh, we were stuck back in South Africa from March until June. You know, um, I went back to do a, I'm doing a little bit of mountain biking and went back to do actually a stage uh, um, kind of uh, race, as per se, with a few of my um, past uh, kind of teammates that I played with the Sharks in South Africa. Um, and uh, yeah, I was called off basically. Um, Got stuck out there for about three months, and it uh, wasn't a bad place to get stuck out. But um, yeah, so I suppose we had some good weather there, and landing back into into Ireland was summer. But um, yeah, look, it was it was kind of the, the whole kind of complete opposite of leaving. I reckon it was beginning of March we left, and uh, literally a couple of days later, Ireland locked down. You know, so when we when we kind of returned in um, in June, it was a kind of a strange kind of uh, weird feeling coming into it. You know. Yeah, I can imagine. I can, I can imagine so. Um, you've taken up a coaching role with UL Bowes in the last couple of months alongside uh, George Murray, Kyle Sheridan, Tommy O'Donnell. How, how's that going for you so far? No, very, very exciting. Yeah, I suppose, um, you know, took on the role because I suppose one part I really wanted to um, kind of uh, kind of take care of a, a bigger part of my, of, my, of, my, of my coaching kind of scope, really. And uh, being often the senior kind of forwards role there. And um, yeah, just the kind of um, part of that coaching team with you mentioned already, Carl Sheridan and Tommy O'Donnell and George Murray, um, you know, and kind of, um, yeah, I suppose you didn't know what to expect, but, uh, you know, a great bunch of guys really willing to learn, really kind of willing to kind of, uh, you know, kind of trying to, um, to to kind of put in the work, you know, kind of so that hopefully results in, in some performance. Um, you know, long, we did a long enough pre-season, we probably got in, we were allowed to get in earlier than, 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 than a lot of other clubs. And uh, yeah, so the guys kind of are, are just a good bunch of guys, you know, and I suppose that environment really hopefully um, allows us to, you know, get, I suppose, um, what we want kind of most out of. And in terms of coaching, is it something you're going to look at to pursue long term or is it just for now, can I see how it goes? Or No, definitely. I suppose I definitely want to put my foot in the door, really. I've been looking for a few options. I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm currently studying a strength and conditioning degree. Uh, to Mr. Tenter, um, and uh, you know, hopefully I'm going to finish that off um, by next year because I started off when I was playing, but these things happen, you know. Um, but I suppose that's part and parcel of me wanting to kind of integrate that into my coaching, I suppose, just that one side of things. But uh, look, I did two years at Gary Owen in the 20s. That was a massive learning curve for me. Um, they gave me the opportunity there. That, that really put me in the deep side of things because in the 20s is really mixing and matching and kind of finding your biggest, I suppose, headache is trying to find players for the weekend to play, not so much the coaching side of things, uh, which really put me in the deep end and maybe, you know, allowed us to kind of think out the box there. So that put me in a position to, I suppose, now taking control of a large amount of, um, you know, kind of men really. And uh, I suppose um, it, it, it allows me to kind of grow them and it works both ways. They, they kind of, I suppose, uh, testing me as much as I'm testing them. And, um, yeah, I think from a player's perspective, um, it's always very different, you know. I think uh, you always assume that how you will transition into any part of your life after playing for so long, you know. Uh, coaching was obviously the one that stuck out for me. Um, but again, you don't really know until you're in that kind of um, atmosphere uh, and how you're going to respond to certain things, how do you kind of bring about your knowledge, um, how do you learn, how do you kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of reflect on the things that you have learned. And it's all just really thrown in the pot there. So you're learning as you're going, um, even though you've got the uh, CV of playing, it's, it doesn't really uh, kind of relate to the coaching side of things, you know. Yeah, I get you, I get you. Um, you were renowned for your scrummaging back in the day. Um, looking at the, the Leinster game over the weekend, um, they were really, really beat up front, weren't they? They were really, I mean, Vincent Cock was absolutely fantastic. And What do you think of his performance of the weekend and what do you think of the Saracens pack in general? Yeah, look, that's no doubt about that, and it's 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 in one part from a from a scrumming perspective, uh, you know, it's 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 shown again, and I don't want to allude to the um, to the World Cup last year um, this year, so I don't want to allude to that. But I suppose one part uh, is the fact that um, 
you know, showed what the scrum can still do in today's game, you know. And I think uh, being a kind of uh, advocate in the sense of people allowing the kind of hopefully one part people's trying to water down the scrum and effectiveness during a game, you know. So uh, I suppose it's still for me, I believe in kind of one of the biggest parts in the game. And we've seen now that it's been used as a weapon and, you know, Saracen showed that, you know, it's just a part in the game that uh, I think um, when you're up front there and that mental battle that, that, that that's created and from a penalty perspective and from a confidence and from a momentum perspective, as we've seen with, with Saracens, how they can use that as a weapon, you know, and that overflows into every every part of their game, really. Um, look, they're a big pack, um, you know, Saracens, and I think uh, they are their side that, uh, you know, really just takes it direct, as we saw from from minute one, right up the channel. Um, they don't really, um, you know, they don't really hide much what they're going to do, but they do it well, and they and they pressurise teams through that, uh, keeping the ball in at scrum time. You know, powerful malls, and uh, look, they were they were missing a, a huge amount of players as well in the sense. So we didn't know what to expect from them. Um, they they had come off a few wins, good wins in the Premiership, but. You know, so did Lens. They come off a great run, um, you know, from Pro 14. So, um, but I suppose um, speaking yesterday um, on radio, I think it's a great learning curve for Lens's and reporter. You know, uh, a tight head that's uh, you know kind of they they kind of conditioning there into 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 starting fine and you know consistently alongside Tyg, who knows, and there's also obviously John Ryan and a few other guys there putting their hands up. But I think it's a great learning curve for him, especially in that arena. You know, I've always believed that, you know, as, as, a, as a, especially as a younger player, you need to play in being in that situation, you know, readily. I learned from a young age, uh, you know, where you where you learn your trade is, is, is up front in last scrums, you know, whether you're playing against experienced guys or guys that you're getting on top of. So, um, yeah, I just think it's 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 a, it's, it's a part of the game that hopefully, you know, still is going to be um, a weapon. And, and, and teams continue to use that. Go, going back to that, that World Cup final and just looking at South Africa as a whole, you look back over the years, kind of pack dominance and scrum dominance has always been a huge thing in South African teams and some of the best side heads, some of the best loot heads have come from South Africa. Is there a kind of, from a very young age, is there an emphasis put on the scrum in South Africa? Is it, is it, is it more important than, than what you see over here? Um, not, I wouldn't say that so much. To be honest, uh, when I was playing Super Rugby, now and I think there's different competitions would portray that. Super Rugby has always been a competition that, you know, we've seen that kind of get the ball in and get the ball out and play, you know, ball in play, take the ball wide, fantastic running game. We've seen that. But I suppose recently we've seen that uh, probably in the last, you know, I would say five years, um, and things have got tighter. We've seen New Zealand teams really concentrate on that, especially, you know, uh, keeping the ball in, creating a little bit of pressure there up front. And uh, not to say it hasn't happened before, but I think it's more of an emphasis. I think I think it's it's been part and parcel also from a from a from a field perspective, like the actual field and the and, and, and the weather. Um, because I think from northern hemisphere perspective it's been around here much longer in say for instance the UK, I find that the the set piece and and the areas that you can create dominance is, is, is also portrayed into the, into the weather, you know. So keeping the ball in tight, creating penalties, and not being able to maybe throw the ball as wide, you know. So I think that's also, um, you know, led into that way. But I think, uh, you know, physicality, being dominant, um, you know, kind of winning the game line, and I suppose physicality is the main thing. So, you know, being physical up front in the scrum allows you to be physical. It's like a free ticket, you know. Being physical at the breakdown, being physical in the mall—it's this, it's this. I suppose first and foremost, taste of what the opposition might feel from you, you know. And I think that's where you want to set your stall out, um, and, and not wait for that. As the saying goes, with, with with a lot of teams and coaches, they 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 always kind of portray us and get the forwards into the game early, which means that you want to make a tackle early, you want to scrum early. You don't want to be waiting 30, 40 minutes for a scrum. You want to be, you want to be hitting, you know, carrying the ball early and, and feeling that because it's that kind of, I suppose, one part apprehensiveness of when you're going to get in there and how, what it's going to feel like, you know. So that drives the excitement, you know, about that as well. Something maybe that's been missing from all your streams the last couple of years, that kind of physicality. But um, looking at your old, uh, your your two old clubs um, over the last couple of weeks, um, we sat with Munster. Uh, I suppose they'll be disappointed, won't they, that day? The, the manner in which they lost to Telenster in that semi-final. There will be, there will be, there will be now. I think um, from 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 the perspective of um, 
you know, where they were. I think obviously COVID um, and everyone was on the same page, so I wouldn't want to use that as any excuse, but I think it did definitely, um, you know, it did stall the teams a little bit in their planning, planning and their prep and, 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 and I suppose the, the ascendancy they did have. Uh, but they'll be disappointed. I think the first game was a, was a, was a more of a clear reflection of, um, you know, accurate reflection where they were. I think that game could have gone either way. I suppose um, a lot of the refereeing around the breakdown has been a little bit different. We've seen, I think there's there's been a lot more obviously, you know, uh, motivation to kind of, you know, um, allow the poacher to get over the ball and create a little bit of more kind of breakdown dominance there. So I think when Munson did that really well in the first game against Vince and then obviously in the final, they, um, you know, kind of, sorry, semi-final, they, they, they basically struggled. So um, in that area, didn't, didn't portray it, but again, Lenson might find a way around that. But, Look, Munster, I think, is a place now where, again, it's, it's a strange one, you know. Um, I don't think there's any excuses, but I think we've always, well, Munster's always, you know, held themselves to to kind of um, build them around that set piece, you know, build, our, build it around our line, build it around our scrum, that, that physical side of things, and really, um, you know, taking the ball up, you know, through the channels. And I think we've seen that, you know, the amount of ball we did keep away in that, in that, in that last game, um, you know, some of the guys were obviously thinking why we're keeping the position away because it's not really part of probably what the whole Munster kind of game might be. But, you know, I think um, in, in, in that saying, some of those you know, kids might have come off and then we might have been thinking the other side of things. But look, I think they've signed a few guys um, for, for, for next season. The main thing now is kind of take the learnings of, of where they are. Um, you know, I think all the provinces are obviously clearly, and as you can see, a bunch of the results, um, you know, a little behind Leinster in the whole of things. Things can change very quickly. We've seen they've, they've, they've now, you know, three, three pro 14, um, you know, titles in a row. And so it speaks volumes of where they are, uh, you know, where the academy is and, and the youngsters they're bringing through, you know. So, um, I would hate to say that they're setting the, setting the pace for everyone else. Uh, but I think it's that kind of nice, I suppose, competition that you know that, right, when you face Leinster, what you what you expect, you know, where are we as a team going forward and then where do you want to set your stall out? So I think it's it's that, it's, that, it's that kind of balance there because, again, you don't want to kind of, uh, you know, I suppose portray that you you haven't got the Dublin, I suppose, feeding, feeding schools, you know, right on your doorstep or anything like that. I think, yeah. The months have done it in the past, and there's no doubt they can do it again. Have you have you seen from your um your time now at Bowes? Like, is there is there a disconnect there between Munster and the clubs, or is it getting tighter again, like the way they have in, in Leinster? Like, is there much talk between your between yourselves and Munster in terms of players and guys to keep an eye out in the academies and whatnot? You know, there's definitely that chat. You know, I think there's 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 for me from my experience anyway, since I've kind of been in the realm, there's definitely guys are being. Uh, Kind of being targeted, I suppose, getting 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 looked at, and I suppose we have some talent identification guys. I think that's the most important part. You know, a quick example would be I think my first year coaching nearly Cronin, um, you know, Sean Cronin's brother. Um, I suppose he was coming through the ranks and he got a contract, just playing really well for Gary Owen. So that's a good example of the guys really kind of being rewarded. Um, you know, we've seen you know a number of the, the the talent identification part is probably one part that. You know, I think is, is massive. I think we see a lot of the players coming out of school and really have probably played in different positions where they're probably not suited that position, but suited for their team at that stage in the school. So back row, that might be a hooker, you know, coming out of school or hooker playing, you know, kind of back row, for instance, and that, that kind of, I suppose, but it's, it's suited that school for their, for that year, you know, and that season. So they're coming out of school and basically thinking, well, what position am I going into? And I suppose that's part of what, what I'm looking at and part of my, I suppose, one part passion uh, in a sense, because I feel from a front row perspective, there's a lot of guys there that I feel that probably in the sense of their career, if they do want to make a career out of it, need to make the decisions early, you know. Once they make decisions early enough, they can get into those positions, learn the learnings that, that are there to be had, and then build on that, you know. Um, you know, some are, some are that uh, a little bit more difficult because we have those guys that can basically run as a back. Uh, but as he is, is kind of can play then at the same time a, a great back row position and you know it's, it's it's a little bit more tricky. But I think those conversations are being had. I think the actual um the whole scope of, of the schools relating to the area, playing rugby is probably one part of that. You know, I think there's a lot of more rugby playing schools in Dublin compared to where we are with rugby in the West. 
And we know that obviously we have GAA and as I'm learning, you know, this, 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 I suppose this competition at school of the sports codes that are being played and mm. motivated to play. And, you know, um, I think it's, I think it's important that, you know, that, that we continue, um, you know, on all sports codes, because I think, again, I think uh, the, the best players that would tell you that they basically played hurling, they played football, they, they played soccer, they, they kind of played multiple range of codes, you know, but then they would have the platform, hopefully, other than going to university, um, their decision on university, and obviously the other side of, of, of the point would be kind of obviously going to academy that they, you know, that they kind of got the opportunity to, you know, to grow in, in, in that environment. Yeah, I get you. Um, looking at Ulster over the weekend, they'll be a bit disappointed with kind of not really firing a shot against Toulouse, but, you know, at the same time, Toulouse were absolutely like magnifique, as they say. <laughs> Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I suppose uh, we can see that it was always going to be a tough task. I think, um, you know, Ulster being where they are, I don't think you could say they'd be they'd be happy. Um, you know, they came off a last-minute, obviously, conversion with Madigan against Edinburgh, coming against Leinster, you know, their backs against the wall, uh, knowing that what they, what they needed to do. But I think, you know, I don't even think... Um, um, to be honest, Leinster, and with all respect, didn't really get into full gear there either, um, but managed to find a way as they do finding and winning winning finals. But, you know, building in, it was always going to be a tough task, as we know. I think, again, leading into my into what I'm saying about the set piece, and, I, and the set piece was quite quite even, I think, that there was kind of parity there from the scrum perspective and, and from a from a lineup perspective. But where it was is, I suppose, the, the attacking game and the carrying ability, you know, Obviously, it does help having Chisholm and Colby on your side, doing kind of almost everything you can imagine. But um, it just was a it just was a step too far. Uh, I did I did I don't want to say I foresaw it because you can never, you never know. Uh, you know the Irish teams, as we've seen with Munster and me being uh, you know fortunately part of a side that have won in in, in France and and then winning in in Harlequins, um, a couple of years back and in, in, in England. Um, you have to have. You know the kind of mindset that you're going to be have to playing attacking rugby. You have to be able to score tries. You have to be able to continually carrying. You have to put the guys, force the guys to ruck. You know, force the guys to you know to get off the ground because they are bigger. Um, uh, you know, you know players, and, and and that's where that sapping kind of uh, conditioning side. You know, it kind of does benefit as 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 Irish sides. But um, yeah, as I said, I think it was a step too far. They'll be. You'll probably be in the in the overall disappointed where they where they've come where they where they are, but again, um, you know where they where they've come to Pro 14 final and then into a um, a quarter in Europe. I think they can then see to just build on that. You know, I think they've got a young enough side. They have got a few changes in there. You know, they've got uh, you know some incredible players there, but they need to build on that and move forward. I think there will be an expectation next year now that they've that they've, that they've set this marker that anything kind of less will be um, a big disappointment next year, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. That's it, they've made progress. Well, look, we'll leave it at that, PJ. Um, thanks a million for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. No worries. Of a chat and um, best luck of the season with, with Bows and hopefully you can get promoted. Great stuff, Jason. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, PJ. See you now. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye-bye. In go, in G go. and I. Oh, in go. Oh, oh, they've put in for us. Right. Yes. Oh, okay. And what is it? What we're trying to get? Anything to do with sport. It could, it could be sport. a venue, a person, a team, sporting term. Good luck. Or do you want to move on? Shall we move on? Oh, have we got it? Oh, go on. No. It's a really long second word. It is, isn't it? Um, Are there extra Bruce, letters Bruce in there that we Gladbach, no. Sorry? Borussia Mönchengladbach, no. Let's see if you're right. <laughs> The last thing we kind of wanted to touch on, which is, is which is world rugby in general, you know yes. what I mean? And rugby in general is it's, it's under the pump, man, because the, the model, the way the model is, is Bums on seats is the biggest revenue earner for them. Yep. Right. And but but you got to think, okay, what if that affects so many other parts of the game? It affects the activation around 
um, sponsors. So now they can't activate with sponsors. You know what I mean? Um, it effect, it effect, like the knock-on effect of it, like, like merchandise sales, um, bar sales, all these kind of different knock-on effects at the stadium alone that they all make the money off, all gone. They can't sell those different corporate packages. They can't sell the hospitality packages, all that sort of stuff. And then sponsors and then da 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 um, like it's it the knock on effect there is huge and like we were talking offline obviously about you know English rugby coming out saying they need government support Irish rugby came out last week what they said the professional game is burning through something like 5 million a month in Ireland is that, is that what Philip Brown like said when you, when you do our few coming out like who are the richest union in the world and always been at the richest union when, when they're coming out saying they're in trouble then you know shit has hit the fan big yeah. big style <laughs> do you know what I mean well you know you know in fairness uh like Fernand's contract is breaking the bank for them, yeah. like so they're under the pump. Now I'm I, I'm I'm in jest. Like they've and they've already done so. Like the players have already taken a cut. Um, I know a lot of staff. Twenty percent or something, wasn't it? They took a nice chunk. Like it's a good chunk of your wages. So like they, yeah, they've all they've gone. They've all t- taken a twenty percent. From sorry, from what I understand, twenty percent cut. Mm. Um, some people have been laid off. Um, they can't re- they can't invest into other parts parts of the game. Is 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 really interesting seeing Bill Mullen's statement. Saying they, they they had to cut investment into the women's game into the sevens program. They cut their sevens program. It's gone completely. Look, it's gone. They got rid of their sevens program. So I mean, look, looking at the figures here, with uh, no fans in the stadium, we will see a hundred and twenty-two million pound reduction in revenue. This just for and loss with no fans for the Six Nations and a hundred and thirty-eight reduction yeah. in revenue with a loss of sixty-eight million for the women. It's look they're and then, and then further down that statement, he says something that the the community game, so the equivalent of the AIL is going to suffer by lose something like 80 something 85 million in in funding yeah yeah so i mean like they can't survive without that i mean it's it's and the same thing's going to happen over here because this six month thing which not being fans fans not not lobbying in the uk that's going to come over here as well we know that we know for a fact if if they're not going to open up the uk they're not going to open up over here so we're going to realistically we have no fans in stadiums for the autumn nations cup for the remaining six nations fixtures this year we have no fans for next year's six nations no fans for when the Champions Cup starts back up to Pro 14. Like, how many how many Aviva sellouts is that? Well, I can think of at least 15 in there between Leinster Champions Cup games, the Six well, Nations just, games, just the Autumn. Look at the amount of games. Like, it was like I was just I was talking to someone about this. Like, you've got six games this autumn, essentially. Yeah, I think they have four um, at home, and then they have the they have one more Six Nations game. That's five. There's two games you got to make up in Six Nations. One's away, though, one's in Paris. Yeah, sorry. So, Okay, yeah, but let's just let's just they're going to get. Let's say they're getting percentage of that that game. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's six games. You've got five games in in um, in springtime, yeah. and then like, is a, is a tour going to go ahead? Is it not? Not going to affect that. You know, um, it's it's scary. <laughs> it's frightening. Yeah, as I said, like the we we know in this country, like the RFU funds. 80% of the income for rugby in the entire country, the international. And, and, and the majority of that is driven from the international game. From That's it, it's 80%. It's, it's all the international game. That's where it all comes from. That's where the money comes from. So like when you're taking the money away from that, you're taking away all those sellouts, like that has drip down effects. So all of a sudden there's no funding now for, for Munster, Leinster, Ulster and Connacht and you go down, there's no funding for all the AL clubs. There's no funding for yeah. all these community officers for anything. And the whole game, as Philip Brown said it, is in threat of complete neuro capitulation and it's gone. It's it's you have to bail bail rugby out like and like at the moment the country is already bailing its pe- its people out. We've got people on the COVID payment. You've got people out of work. You've got pubs closed down. There's only so much money to go around. And sport yeah, and, and the, you know, the thing as well about sport that I don't know. I see it from a couple of different angles, but sport it doesn't have to be rugby. Let's say if it's the GA or whatever it is, Tiddlywinks, you know, it's, it's an outlet for people. You know, it's a massive part of people's identity, some people's identity. It's a massive part of some people's wellness mm. and it's a massive part of some people's community, their social um, circle, you know what I mean? And shutting it down, not having, not having anyone at it. Like I was in the gym um, yesterday and hearing these two guys talking about the club streaming the games via YouTube yeah. and Zoom or whatever. And I think that's great that they're innovating but like how long will that last? I don't know um, or how long will they be able to make it last? Um, it's it's a scary, scary proposition because of the knock-on effect, not just financially of the game not being around but like on people's well-being um, is huge. 
Massive. Oh, even, I know myself even like, like when rugby and, and sport was gone at the start like, and you're locked home in your house. My own mental well-being, it was tough. I know lots of guys and, and girls that found it very tough. But as you said, yeah. it's an outlet. It's a it's a, a sense of escapism where you get out, you, you watch Ireland, you watch Munster, you watch your local team. You go out for a few drinks in the pub or you go out and actually watch a match and you chat away. And then there's it's it's a conversation starting as well. It's something to talk about. And you take that away. Like, I always remember the, the, the closest thing I've ever had to this, right, in terms of what sport does is 09 winning the Grand Slam. And I'll never forget Decky kind of saying, saying to us as a group going, it, this is actually ahead of us winning. I think we're coming into the, um, we were coming into, we are coming into the Wales game, actually, the last game. And him kind of saying like, win or lose, what you've done as a group to change even if even for 80 minutes um the feeling people might have in the middle of one of the biggest deepest recessions we ever faced prior to this you know what i mean and that just shows you you know it it let me kind of got realize oh take a step back and go whoa this is at times it's bigger than you um obviously you know the game, like it's bigger than the game, you know what I mean? And and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like we they deserve all the money they need to get then and fund them completely and all that sort of stuff. But I'm saying like it is very important to keep, to try and keep sport alive you know, because we're such a sport mad nation as well. Mm. Keep it alive. Yeah, yeah. No, agreed, agreed. Well, look, Jimmy. Hopefully, over the next few weeks and months, we'll see something and we'll see. Can't end that kind of depressing. Oh, give me some good better news. Uh, How much in love uh, are you with Kobe? Oh, uh, I think he's. I told you he's the, he's the greatest player in the world at the moment. Can you see South Africa getting on, beaten so in twenty twenty one with a player like him on the field? I just see things are going to change up you know, with with Rassi kind of going back upstairs now and with Jack is coming in as the head coach. So I don't know how it will be. Like I think people people don't realize how important how big a role he played in South Africa, and and then winning the World Cup because look what he did, look what he did at Munster and look what he did with South Africa. Yeah. I don't know if you've, you've, I'm sure you've met him before. Like he's 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 such a towering figure of a man, but at the same time a gentle giant. And you can imagine that he's the kind of guy that you just want to play for. Yeah. Well, there's 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 you this chat now. Um, obviously, I'm working with a lot of different clients. I want to do, but there's there's a theme coming out now regarding compassionate leadership, yeah. as opposed to like the old kind of uh, command and control type leadership model. Um, and and he strikes me as someone that. Uh, it's very clear on what he wants to achieve as a group and stuff like that. But that is is has amazing kind of emotional and social intelligence and and is yeah. very empathetic towards the, the players around him and the sense around the team. Yeah, you can kind of see like, what he's saying. He means it. He he wants you to not win for him. He wants you to win with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's, a, there's a difference like where you've got this authoritarian kind of like Jose Mourinho type like who to me like it's it's he's about it's about percentages for him and his record and his career but with Rassi like when he was with Munster he bought into Munster and he wanted and he made the players play for him and play with him do you know what yeah. I mean there was a difference so I don't know I think I, I think I think he's I think he should go down as one of the, the best coaches of all time and I think I'm looking forward to seeing a documentary when it comes out do they do one behind the scene on them yeah, they have a, a documentary going out, kind of an all or nothing kind of a thing, kind of similar to that. Uh, Covering the World Cup? Throughout the whole World Cup. Yeah, so that's out. I think it's out. What a season to get them. Yeah, yeah. I think it's next month or something. There's a trail. If you look up the trail, there's a trail do online. Do you think? It's, well, anyone hasn't watched that, look it up. It's absolutely fun. Here's one, because I thought the New Zealand one was crap, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's not made by them. It's made, it's made by the actual South African Sands, whatever they're called, Supersport. Super, I think it's do, them. Do you so think? It's not made by Do you think... Um, do you think people will react better if if you took the all or nothing approach, or that covers them for the season, obviously, or the hard knocks type approach? Either way, do you think it would be better if rugby started serving up more regularly that kind of, kind of context? Take the Ireland example. Like the last time they did one was um, the Vodafone ones. No, the Vodafone yeah, one. One in game, wasn't it? Yeah, but that was. Look, some people had final say on that that shouldn't have, right? So it wasn't probably the the the, the best that it could have been, um, yeah. And the one previous to that was Eddie O'Sullivan back in like oh five or oh six, I think it was. 
Yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Do you think it would be of interest to people behind, like if even when it went behind the clubs in Ireland or the national team every year or something like that? Not with rugby's current model and they have to change themselves. Rugby is too sheltered and rugby is too much of a closed circle behind the scenes. I think whereas you see with the NFL and you see with the football teams, the only way it works is because they give them full access, complete and utter access. And final say on the edit. And final say with most things, yeah. But with rugby, like... I find it very, especially with the RFU, I find them, they're, they're, they're very secretive, they're very, everything's closed behind, everything's behind closed doors, we only give you away what you want, any kind of media stuff that's done is, this media train guy comes up and gives you the media train you're answers, given, you're the media train questions, give, everything you're is... You're giving your talking points before you go up. <laughs> like, when, it's, it's, like, you're given a sheet going, these are your talking points. Yeah, and it's, it, it, but it's quite obvious. Yeah. It's quite obvious and it's absolutely like, I see it and you get so jealous of the access that they get that they get in America and you see that a journalist can just walk into the changing room and stick a microphone up to you and get that, get an interview off you. Like, I mean, there's a, the, the, the difference in, and it's, it's very hard to explain. Like, I'm sure you can, you can understand. If I walked up to you into the changing room and put a microphone in your face after you've won the Grand Slam in 09, that raw emotion that I'm going to get off you in that moment is like nothing you'll ever experience. Whereas if I get you 20 minutes later sitting down on a table with your sheet in front of you, what am I going to get? Yeah, look, we'll boys been at today. It was another super performance. <laughs> Thanks to Wales. That's all I'm going to get. Me, you. No, I'm just saying that's no, I'm doing every single professional player in Ireland who gives you the same fucking answer. They'll come out, they'll come out with about 20 cliches and, and then... Yeah. But, but, but here's the thing. The, Back the sword, though, week. because like anytime any player... Well, sorry, not any time. Majority of the time a player does show um, some rawness, be it good or bad. At times they get they punished, get yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But like I suppose there has to be an element of trust there. I mean, just have to get a better standard of it because at the moment I think it's another reason why rugby struggles in that sense and why rugby finds it hard to be more of a global sport because you just don't get the access, especially over here, you don't get the access to the players. You don't get access to the to what's going on behind the scenes you don't get access you don't get interesting interviews a lot of the time you, you just don't so we just solved um irish rugby's problem by saying yeah well look start following the american model we said it there a couple of weeks ago about i mean i know we give out about them and they're absolute lunatics like but they they have sport down to a t because they've managed to turn two or three national sports into world sports yeah do you know what i mean they've managed to turn the likes of the nba and the nfl and even baseball to a certain extent, like they've made these sports into major international sports by the way the the coverage is presented to you, and the way it's modelled, and they have such smart business models. Yeah, they're they're more focused. They're more focused on adapting rules than trying to actually make the game more of a. You know, you're like in your world, you you much prefer the. Um, the storylines, and that's why sport is so good because there's always storylines. There's winners, there's losers, yeah. losers. There's the, the the guy making a comeback. Yeah. There's there's the guy, yeah. the big dog, and um, the up and coming. There's all these different characters, but we don't see what the characters behind the scene is. Yeah, you need to bring a bit of theater into it. Like, I mean, look at UFC. Their model, going back, we'll say six or seven years ago, was all about just like, like number one ranked fighter versus number two ranked fighter, number three ranked fighter versus number four. Then they just, when McGregor and them started coming in, they started to change it. It goes, oh, fuck this. Let's turn this into more of a theatre style thing. Let's make this more like WWE. Let's let's show you storylines. Let's do embedded. Let's get you in behind the scenes. Let's make you really, like, want to see this guy fight. Whether you you want to see him win or lose, get emotion. Do you know what I mean? Let's build emotion. And they've done that so successfully. You can't can't build emotion unless you know know the teams or the players from behind. No, no. If I've got this wooden guy coming up, like, and it's no offense to any of the players, it's just, it's just giving this same old media trend bullshit every week. I tough it on the old Zoom calls these days with X. That's... <laughs> but it's true. You don't get to know the player, like, and you're just seeing, like, this robot, like, and you're, you know deep down that this guy is just a normal guy who, if he wasn't handed all these media trend answers, would give you what he actually feels. Same as they do in America. They just, they say, well, of course, we're a media trend to a certain extent. You can't be, you can't put your foot in yeah. it. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's 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 as if it's rugby versus the media a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, and I, I don't think that's, and I think, yes, both of them have to kind of treat each other right. Everyone's got to come to the table here to kind of get agreed. Yeah, but you all have to yeah. 
Correct. Exactly. 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 So look, that's a bit of a cheerier. Happy yeah, that's we've that's better. Rugby, we've solved rugby's problem. <laughs> well, one of its problem, one of its many problems. So if we can do that, and we can sort that out, and we can start getting some behind the scenes all or nothing clips together. And sure, sorry. You know what? You and I will just do a rugby lad on tour down down in South Africa and, and get down in South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> the way things are going, no, it's won't. I don't think we'll be able to fly to South Africa next year. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be a Lions tour next well, year. Well, like the other counts, there's they're 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 pushing ahead. Uh, yeah, it's it's a long way out, but like they've already said it that there's no way in hell a Lions tour can go ahead without no can go ahead with no fans. They say that. it's just not. It's not, well, like, is it fun? I mean, that's the whole part. Like, I know you, like, you've, you've played in Lions Tour, but to go to a Lions Tour as a fan, I went in 2017, it, the, 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 that's what makes it's it fast. so good, because you're going, it's incredible to go over and you're, like, you're singing, singing with the English fans, the Scottish fans, the Welsh fans, you're all together, you're on these fucking buses up and down New Zealand, and it's just absolute mayhem. If you take that out and it's just the matches, forget about it. Yeah. That's not what a line store is. It's that exactly what it is. Like, it's a piss up for fans. <laughs> it's a it's a tour. That's what it is. It's a but don't you know what I mean? It's not just about the rugby. It's about the tour. Yeah. Same way it's a tour for a lot of the rugby players. The guys, the midweek guys. I'm sure like a lot of them. You have, even the pro the the A guys. I'm sure you have plenty of beers over there as opposed to normal tours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, actually, funny enough, I don't know what seventeen was like, but uh, I always say my favorite one was 09 because it was one of the last kind of good tours 13 was yeah. a, a lot drier yeah more professional yeah yeah and and a lot of it has to do with the coach and the captain and and their characters um you know and their styles you know and geech geech was quite old school and, and paulie was captain there as well and Paulie paulie knew what he wanted with his squad as well and wasn't afraid to challenge the management on it um you can see that because the in the Lions documentary, thirteen is the most boring one to watch. <laughs> so you can you can see because oh nine look was was very good. Oh nine was hilarious to watch, but thirteen was absolute rubbish. Was <laughs> you can see. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Right, look, we'll wrap it up there anyway. Before we start rambling on. Again. Happy days. Sure. Look, I will chat to you next week.